Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you and your life. Well, turn once again to the book of Revelation. We're in uh, chapter 22 of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22. And we have uh, we've been through a lot in our study of Revelation and it's coming close to uh, uh, an end. We're getting very, very close to uh, finishing up just about everything that could be. In fact, uh, we've... <laughs> seen and understand uh, the fact that that uh, everything is coming to a place of light and beauty and holiness, joy and the presence of God and all the things that that God has designed and destined for us and we uh, we have uh, experience in in this as we come to chapter 22 we're seeing uh, the very precious presence of God and the Lamb of God allowing us to worship Him and to praise Him and to, uh, to, to have, uh, do service for Him and uh, allowing us to become in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so we get to this point and we have to reflect a little bit about what we've come through. Now we've as we come close to an end, we have to remember the, the importance of the fact that uh, we've been through uh, a lot in the study of the book of Revelation. In Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, we saw uh, that the church of God is in trouble. There's a lot of uh, difficulties and a lot of uh, uh, turmoil within the world, and, and there's a lot of uh, bad things that are happening in the world and and that leads to the rapture of God's church and the rapture of his people and we see that uh, in Revelation chapter 4 that the church is exalted in heaven and and that God is glorified in the presence of his people there and Revelation chapter 6 we see the beginning of the tribulation and with all the things that happened during the tribulation we see as the tribulation starts that the seals are broken that uh, the trumpets are blown that the uh, the bowls of judgment are poured out upon the earth and we see a lot of destruction we see a lot of things that are uh, happening and a lot of uh, of the uh, judgment of God coming upon the earth and of course during that time of great judgment we see a time in which a third of everybody that is uh, on the earth uh, still is uh, is killed by uh, all kinds of different things that are happening and uh, then uh, after that not too long after that a fourth of all the people that are remaining after that are are killed and uh, we see the waters that are uh, destroyed and are running like blood because of all the the fish and and the uh, animals that are in the water uh, that are destroyed and that are killed and we see 
so much of the earth that is uh, burned up and scorched and and uh, so much is destruction in that time. And then we see the Antichrist that comes out of uh, all of that and we see the, uh, the demons that carry... Uh, his message all over the world and all over creation that is still in existence. And we see that uh, uh, the demons coerce and, and uh, convince the people that are on the earth to worship Satan and to, and to, to pledge their allegiance to him. And uh, then we see that... Uh, after this great blasphemy that has occurred that all of those who follow after Satan are cast into hell and we see the, uh, the final uh, deeds of Satan in that he is uh, uh, bound for a season and then uh, we see the final release of Satan and uh, his uh, efforts to spread uh, his misinformation and his lies across the earth, and then the final binding of Satan and cast into the pit. And then we uh, see the breakdown of all of creation. All of the earth and the heavens is destroyed. Uh, we see the creation of new heaven and new earth. And then we see that sin and death and hell and uh, all of that is cast into uh, the the pit and that is destroyed, and we see uh, that God's final redemption, God's final uh, uh, restoration of all of His creation is done, and God's uh, final uh, 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 desire is complete. So we see that all of this is taking place and we see that that uh, the paradise of God is finally regained and the immortal peace comes upon the earth. And so we come to Revelation chapter 22 and starting in verse 6 it says, And He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel to show unto His servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down and worshipped before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And then said he unto me, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he said unto me, Seal not the books, uh, the sayings of the prophets of this book, uh, for the time is at hand. And he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. So I want to stop there at that time and, and we're going to focus on these verses. We see that everything is happening quickly at this point. Everything is, is almost breathless at this point. Uh, and in this passage of Scripture, we almost see a breathless 
uh, almost like a breathless messenger. During the time of John, uh, they didn't have cell phones that they could whip out and dial up their sweetie and tell them they're going to be a little late for church, or or uh, uh, they didn't have they don't have. Uh, 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 Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff to get messages out to a lot of different people at one time like we do today. Uh, rather, they had at that time about the only way to get a message from any place is to carry that message. Either to have a messenger that runs and carries the message to individuals uh, by word of mouth or to have uh, that message written down and and then given to a messenger that then carries it and uh, delivers a written message to those uh, who are uh, in another location. So we see that, uh, that in this passage of Scripture, it's almost like a messenger has run up to John and he's saying uh, at this last section that everything is coming to a close everything is is coming to an end everything is that Jesus Christ is coming soon that that Christ is coming so we've gone through all of this and and all the things that are happening and we're left with the question of that if everything is happening soon, and that is the message for the reader of the book of Revelation, that all of this that we have studied is going to happen soon. So what do we do now? What do we do at the end of all that is that has happened in this? How do we come to this point? And what do we do at this point? Well, in verse 6 it says that, uh, that these things are faithful and true and that the Lord... Of, uh, uh, that uh, these things are shortly uh, will come to place. In verse 7, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. In verse 12, He says it again, Behold, I come quickly. In verse 20, uh, Jesus says, Surely I come quickly. So we see again and again and again in this message a great urgency. And John, at the end of verse, in verse twenty, at the very end, almost the very end of the book, he says, um, "When Jesus says, surely I come quickly," John ends it, "Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus.'" So, this is a pressing for a Christian. And this book is written for Christians, for believers, for those who follow Christ. This, uh, the book of Revelation is not written for those who are unsaved. It's not written for those who have no understanding of who Jesus Christ is and no understanding of God. It's not really for them to, to be reading and to be uh, consuming, but rather it's for the Christian to read and to understand the significance of what is about to happen and understand the, the importance of what is going to occur and what will occur. And so we have really four things that uh, we see in this passage of Scripture, four uh, things uh, uh, that are demanded out of us. These signs all point to an imminent re return of Jesus Christ. And so there are four things that must immediately happen that are mentioned here. And I want to talk about them a little bit tonight. First, uh, there are four things. Immediate obedience, immediate worship, immediate proclamation, 
and immediate service to God. Well, Jesus is coming, and we need to understand that uh, His return is imminent. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, it tells us uh, that... What you know, the world kind of thinks of us when we talk about the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Turn over there with me. Second Peter chapter three. When we talk about Jesus coming again, I mean, I guarantee you, if we went out into our neighborhood, if we went out into our community and we started knocking on every door that we could and running through the neighborhood like uh, we would if there was a tornado that was seen in the next county and it was heading our way, we were w- running through the neighborhood knocking on doors and, te- and, and shouting to people, hey, get ready, get ready, uh, get in your basements, get uh, in a in a safe place, go go find a safe place because the tornado is coming, it's coming, it's coming. If we went running through our neighborhoods and running to our neighbors the same way and said, He's coming, He's coming, Jesus Christ is coming, you need to be ready, you need to, you need to understand that He's coming quickly, they would look at us kind of uh, oddly. They would probably be a little upset that their evening had been interrupted and their television program that they were watching had been interrupted, and they they'd probably either curse us out or they would be very angry with us, or at, at the very least, they would look at us kind of strangely and then close the door and go back to whatever they were doing. Here's what P, uh, Peter says that the world uh, does when we share that Jesus Christ is coming. He says they... In the last days, scoffers are walking throughout uh, uh, in their own lust. And verse 4 saying, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So they, for, uh, for this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God and the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So Peter says, look, they're going to tell us uh, if we were to go throughout our community and say, look, everything is happening like it's always happened. Look, Jesus is, is all, they've always been saying that, that Jesus is coming back and it's never happened. It's never happened. Jesus has not, has not returned. Why, if Jesus is coming so quickly, if it's so imminent, then why, why is it that He's never, never come in all these years and all this time? Why is it that He hasn't come yet? And the answer to that is, well, let me ask you something. Have you died yet? Well, no. Well, does that mean you're never going to die? Well, it hadn't happened yet. Well, if you haven't died, then obviously, if you use the same logic, you're never going to die. Well, no, I know I'm, no, I know I'm going to die someday. Yeah, uh, everybody dies. Well, it's not happened to you, so maybe you're different from everybody else. Maybe because it's never happened to you, then you're not going to ever die. Or, uh, you know, uh, if you take the same logic, then they probably were saying the same thing when 
uh, you know, old uh, Noah was building the ark and he was saying, look, it's going to rain and it's going to flood the world. Well, they said it's never rain. What is rain? It's never rain. Why do we need to be worried about it raining and flooding everything? It's never done that. Well, it did rain. It did flood. It did. The world was destroyed through a flood. Um, so we need to understand that. Uh, and Jesus has not returned, but that doesn't mean he'll never return. It just means that we're closer now today to his return than we've ever been before. And it will happen. So what are we to do? Well, we are to be his servants. As believers, we are his servants and we are to serve God and we are to to do all that we can to serve him. In Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 17. <coughs> The Bible tells us of our relationship to God. He says in verse 17, it says, But God be thanks that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that, from, uh, that formed the doctrine which was delivered unto you. And being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. And I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye? then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and becoming servants to God, you have your fruits unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So we are the dulios, the servants or bond servants of God. We are... Uh, those who seek to do what God wants us to do. God wants you to know that what is going to happen so that you will obey the things that are written in His Word. God gives us His Word, and God gave the Word to John to share with uh, those who followed after Christ. Revelation is for believers so that we might understand and know what God has for us and that we might be prepared and that we might be about doing God's work in our lives. John chapter 14, verse 15 tells us, If you love me, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 21 it says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 23, And Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man love me and will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. So if we love 
Jesus Christ. If we love God, if we love Him for what He has done for us, we will obey His commandments and keep His commandments. And that's the first thing is, is that we are to be uh, immediately obedient to God's command in our life. There's a lot of different ways of looking at obedience. There's different kinds of obedience. Most of the time, it's that obedience that uh, that we liken to understand in terms of uh, a threat or uh, a uh, punishment coming our way. We drive willy-nilly, well, a lot of people drive willy-nilly down the highway, but as I was going to work this morning, I was driving down 19, and all of a sudden, everybody started slowing down. I couldn't see why, and then eventually I saw that there was a police car in the, in the median of the highway, and automatically I understood the threat of getting a ticket meant that everybody started slowing down. Everybody uh, drives whatever speed limit they want to until they see a, a police officer and then they automatically, or they see somebody else is caught by the police officer. So they all slow down all of a sudden. I've been on highways where uh, I'll be driving along and and all of a sudden it's like the highway is blocked because a police officer will be or a highway patrolman will be driving down the highway and nobody wants to pass them because why? Because they know the police officer, the, uh, the county sheriff deputy or the highway patrolman is all doing the speed limit and if you pass them that means you are going faster than the speed limit and he might pull you over. The threat is what keeps a young child from doing, misbehaving their parent. The threat of a spanking. Boy, I tell you what, how many parents have you heard uh, say this? You better straighten up because daddy's coming home or mama's coming home because they knew that if they were misbehaving when mom or daddy got home, then boy, they were going to get a whooping for sure. And that's usually how we treat uh, obedience. We do things because we obey because we don't want to get caught. We don't want to get punished for that misbehavior. We do things appropriately and correctly because we don't want to uh, face the consequences. But that's not the kind of obedience that we uh, are to yearn for and desire uh, in our life. That can lead to the next kind of uh, uh, obedience, which is legalism, which is, uh, well, you know, uh, if you're going to behave and do right, then you're going to have to keep all of these rules. And, and you start listing rules of how you're supposed to act and how, what you're supposed to do and things you're not supposed to do. And it can get to the point where all you're doing is following rules and rules, 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 and you don't understand why you're supposed to do certain things other than the fact that there's a rule for it. And that's what the Pharisees had gotten into uh, was the fact that they were rule followers. They, uh, they had uh, taken the, the 12, uh, uh, they had taken the Ten Commandments, excuse me, they had taken the Ten Commandments of Moses and had turned it into 633 other laws called the Midrash. And all of those 633 laws were uh, were written so that you could keep the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. Isn't that silly? 
God didn't give us 633 laws. He gave us 10 commandments. We were to understand and know things about ourselves and about our relationship to God based on those commandments, not on whether or not we could keep 633 different laws. Well, that sounds like a lot of laws, but I guarantee you there's more laws in the United States today than 633 laws. And do laws keep people from doing things wrong? Well, no. Every night we either read on the news or we hear on the news of people that do not follow the law and the consequences of their actions and how they uh, bring about their misbehaviors on other people. See, what we're supposed to understand is, is that we're to commit ourselves to obeying God's laws, obeying God in areas where there is no enforcement. If I would simply love God and simply love Him and, and love God and, and want to do everything I can to please God, I don't have to worry about how many laws there are and how many things that I have to avoid doing or, or need to do in order to make God happy. I just need to understand that I want to obey God out of love rather than out of fear. It's obedience versus the spirit of obedience. The spirit of obedience is simply that I just want to do everything I can to obey God because of His love rather than there being some type of law that I have to follow to ensure that I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do in order to obey God. It's the difference between love and fear. We're to love God, not to fear God in terms of uh, fear of, of uh, uh, some type of judgment that's coming down, but rather love God to the point where we don't want to do anything that would displease God. The second thing that we need to do is we need to have immediate worship. Look at, look at the Scripture, what it says here. In verse 6, it says the obedience. Uh, when you go back to Revelation chapter 22, it helps if you're in the right place. In verse 6, he says, And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of our holy uh, prophets sent his angel to show unto us his servants and the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keep the sayings. That's the obedience. Verse 7, Keep uh, his sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down and worshipped before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Now, John uh, has done this a couple of times. He's fallen at the feet of the angel that is telling uh, John all of these things. And I can't believe that John has not understood that these are angels that he's sharing the message. But rather, uh, instead, John is simply worshiping God. He's overwhelmed and thrilled with the message of what he has heard. And he is, and all of the things that he's learned. And he began to worship without making a distinction between the one he's worshiping, God, and the messenger of the one he is worshiping, the angel. And so John is, uh, just falls out in worship and begins to praise God and worship God and the angel uh, comes back to John and he says, look, hey, remember, I'm just an angel. I'm just a servant. 
And he says, uh, Don't be worshiping me, I'm an angel. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of the brethren of the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Verse 9, he says, Remember, worship God and God alone. And John is trying to tell him, Look, I am worshiping God. You're just in the way. So uh, we're to immediately worship and worship God with all of our heart and with all that is within us. And that gives us a question of what is worship? How are we to worship? Well, Psalms chapter 26 is a wonderful illustration of God's of worshiping God and how we are to worship Him. And I want to pull a few things real quickly out of Psalm 26 on the characteristics of worship. Psalm 26. First of all, it says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore I shall not slide. First thing, and the key is, is that we must always trust God. We have to have trust in Him. We have to trust God for who uh, He is and what He's told us to be true. And that goes beyond just simply our salvation. But uh, And the thing that, that, uh, that bothers a lot of Christians is, is that they believe in God, but uh, then when difficult things happen, they, uh, they believe and understand that God is able to do all things, but then they worry about whether or not God can uh, provide for them and their family when uh, they're going through a hard time or whether or not God is there for them when they have difficulty in, with their health or whatever. Uh, we need to trust God. We must trust God because that is a, a key characteristic of, of, of what it means to worship God is to trust in Him, believe in Him. And then uh, we must also have a preoccupation with God's loving kindness. He says in verse 3, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. We have to understand and acknowledge God's grace in our life, and we have to, uh, we have, to uh, have a hyper-awareness of God's loving kindness towards us. Then thirdly, we have to also walk in truth. He says, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. We have to uh, live out our life in understanding God's truth in our life, and we have to, we can't be just a Christian in name only. We have to uh, live our life as a Christian and walk uh, accordingly to his truth in our life. And then uh, lastly, we have to be not involved with those who are doing evil. Verse 4 says, For I have not sat with vain per persons, neither will I go in with the uh, disassemblers. And so we have to make sure that if we're going to worship God, that we can't uh, 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 be a part of those who are doing wrong, those who are doing uh, sinful behavior. We, we're not to be uh, a... Uh, a sinner on Saturday and a Christian on Sunday, uh, a saint on Sunday. We have to live our life as a saint on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All the time we're to live as a saint, not live our life as a heathen when we're around our friends and on Saturday night and then come into church on Sunday and and live as uh, and 
try and be a saint and act as if nothing is wrong in our life. Or so what are some of the ingredients of worship? What are, what are some aspects of worship? We looked at the characteristics of worship. Now the ingredients are, first of all, thanksgiving. Verse 7, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all of thy wondrous works. Uh, so that's the first two, really. We are to uh, give thanks unto God for all He has done in our life. We have to uh, proclaim His thank, uh, our thankfulness for all that He has done and then praise God and exalt Him for all that He is doing in our life. And uh, our, pray, our worship should, should involve thanksgiving for what God is doing and praise for who He is and praise for uh, His wondrous, wonderful things that He's doing in our life. Then in verse 8, we are to love His presence. Lord, I have loved the habitation of Thy house and the place where Thine honor dwelleth. Then uh, we are to trust in Him. Verse 9, Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men. We are to trust in Him and allow Him to guide our life. And then uh, lastly, we are... Uh, and. Uh, lastly, we are to look at uh, Him in, with commitment. Verse 12, My foot standeth in an even place, and in the congregations will I bless the Lord. So our worship is to be made up of thanksgiving, of praise, of love, of His presence in our life, of trusting in Him, and then making a commitment to Him for all that He is doing. And thirdly, and I'm going to wrap up these last two real quick, uh, thirdly is the immediate proclamation. Uh, three times Jesus says uh, He is coming soon. He's coming soon. Uh, he's coming quickly. And we need to understand that uh, that Jesus Christ is coming quickly and the things that are happening in this book are things that many people are so afraid of that they don't even want to study the book of Revelation because it's so fearful for them to think of what might happen. If they're so afraid of what they read in the book of Revelation, then we ought to be out sharing the gospel with those who are lost so that they don't go through these terrible things that are hap going to happen at the end of time. Uh, the judgment of God is, is imminent on those who are without Christ in their life. Not only is Christ coming quickly and the end is coming soon, but His judgment, the judgment of God is, is going to be dramatic and bold. For so long God has been patient with mankind and has... Uh, given grace to mankind to extend out longer and longer and longer before His judgment comes so that more people would be able to have the opportunity to come to know Christ. And because of that, so many people have, uh, have the false belief that judgment's never coming. But God's judgment is coming and judgment from God is severe as we've witnessed throughout this book of Revelation. And lastly, there's no second chance. We must proclaim the message of God because once Jesus Christ comes and once His church is taken away and once uh, the end is declared, there is no second chance for anyone. So we must proclaim immediately the message 
of God. And we must lastly have immediate service. We must be busy serving God. We must be busy sharing and proclaiming and serving Christ, serving God in, in our effort to serve Him and to proclaim His message in our effort to, to expand the kingdom of God and allow people who are lost, people that are hurting, people that are without hope, to have find the hope in Jesus Christ, to find the healing that comes with His presence in our life, to find uh, the, the reason for living that comes with the relationship with Jesus Christ. So we must be about His work and we must prepare and we must be busy about His work that is before us. And that's the whole purpose of this book is to warn the Christian to get busy, get active, get involved, do what is necessary to spread the message so that people are, are, that are lost will have Christ in their life. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your great love and we thank You for uh, the wonderful message of Your Word and for the reason that You've shared uh, that message with us that we might be bold in our proclamation and that we might go about serving You and that we might do all that we can to worship You and exalt You and that we might be obedient to Your message and Your Word. Lord, we pray that You would be with us as we go from this place that we might be about Your service, being obedient to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.